Well, good morning. It is so good uh, to be with you here uh, this morning. We get a unique uh, privilege uh, of hearing uh, the Word of God. Uh, and and I think uh, this week... Uh, in particular, we feel that need uh, much more than usual. Uh, and so before, before we get started, before we do anything, uh, I, I just need to remind you of a few things. I just need to remind you of, of, of who God is and, and what his word says, what his word promises to us. Uh, so we're, I, I'm just going to start uh, in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read uh, a couple different uh, verses from there, uh, and we're going to talk about um, why uh, this passage uh, matters for us today. So firstly, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and then I will, uh, after verse 1, go straight to verse 28. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Let me just, let me just read that one again. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. as they were yesterday and the day before 
and the day before, and they'll be true tomorrow and the day after, and so on and so forth. And they are true even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of deep pain. And these words are true because of what we will be talking about today. God knew what we were going to need to hear this morning. Uh, He knew that that this series would lead us to the topics of, of both justification and adoption. And he knew that they would be perfectly timed. And so we this morning, get to talk about from God's word why nothing can ever separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Circumstances do not change our God, no matter how hard they are. And so we cling to him and to what he has done here this morning. And so, this week, I think for many, has been a week filled with bad news. But this morning, we get good news. We get the good news. And so I have, I have one goal, one goal here this morning, that you would walk away from our time together this morning with that good news deep in your soul. That when temptations come later this week, that you would we are more than conquerors, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's let's go before Him this morning and pray as as we get into uh, the Word and we get into our topics for this morning. Um, we need to we need to pray before we do that. So. Uh, would you join me? God, thank you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God, that you do not change. God, we, we thank you as well that, that you have, have given us your son who is acquainted with griefs. God, he knows what we are feeling. Help us, though, this morning to hear the promises of your word, to hear the good news from your word, and to trust you. I pray and ask, God, that as we open up your word this morning, that you would speak a message of hope and a message of healing to our souls. God, would you, would you guard my lips? Would you help me uh, in speaking clearly, in speaking the truth of your word uh, in love? And God, would you be with us here this morning? And, and we think, even as we were reminded earlier, of, of, of the function of the church to bear one another's burdens. And God, we know that, that there is a family who is burdened among us this morning. God, we, we ask and pray that you would be with the concerts, that you would even minister to them now, God, as we gather here, um, would, would they feel your presence? Minister peace and comfort to them. And God, help them to cling to the good news. 
So God, we thank you, we praise you, we ask again that you would be with us here this morning, that you would be glorified, and that your good news would find roots deep within us here this morning. We love you, God, we praise you, we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we are continuing with uh, our series uh, that we've started a few weeks ago. It's called Rescued, Why the Church Needs to Reach the Community. And as you have probably heard for the past couple weeks, that there is one objective in this series. It is to mobilize, which means to get moving again, mobilize the local church to develop meaningful relationships to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. We're doing that with a two-part command, which is evangelism and discipleship. And through that, we're going to pray for an open door for the word, that we are able to minister the gospel to the people that we encounter. We're praying for a clear and simple word so that people can understand. And so that, that, I think, is really the heart of what we are talking about this morning. The clear and simple word of the gospel. And so right off the bat, the first thing that we see, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 3, so if you're already in Romans 8, flip a couple pages to the left. Romans chapter 3, in verse, uh, starting in verse 21 through 26, is going to be our text for this morning. And I, I need to read that before we talk about it. So let's go ahead and read Romans chapter 3, verse 21. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So right away from that text, we are presented with a problem. The first thing, the, pr- the great problem of humanity is sin. Sin affects all that we do. It is total in uh, how it affects us. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so if, if we were to read uh, Psalm 130, we would see the right question to ask in light of this problem. It says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And so this is what the psalmist is saying in response to the fact that all have sinned. It says, If God were to open the books on my life, if he were to, to read the record of all that has gone on in my mind and has been carried out by my hands... If he were to read off all of that, standing before God as our all-knowing judge, our only plea can be guilty. 
We stand guilty before God in and of ourselves because all have sinned. And so we stand under the just condemnation of God in and of ourselves. The only thing we bring to the table is sin. We live in that reality every day. We, we feel the brokenness that sin has brought. But the good news is that neither Paul in Romans chapter 3 nor the psalmist in Psalm 130 stops there. Uh, listen to verse 4 of, of Psalm 130. It says, But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Now, I, one of my favorite words in all of the Bible is the word but. It's that little conjunction that, that always says because but there is something that was done that changes that. And so, yes, even though we stand before God condemned, there is a way that we can stand before Him justified or guiltless. And Romans chapter 3 presents how that is to happen. So in verse 24, Paul says that we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Now, now don't worry. There are a couple words in there that you probably don't hear on a regular basis. There are two in particular that are going to require a little bit more explaining. And, and that's, that's what we're going to do. Uh, you'll find them even on the note sheet in your bulletin if you need to write these down so that you can remember them. But the first word is the word justified as it is presented in the text. Or we could say also justification. And so when we say the word justified, or when we're talking about justification, this is the definition that, that we will give. Justification is the instantaneous legal act of God in which he declares us as righteous in his sight. Now if that is a little too uh, textbooky for you, uh, off to the side you could write, Justification is just as if I'd never sinned. Simple way to remember, just as if I'd never sinned. And so that's what we are talking about. That's what Paul is talking about when he says the word justified. That God sees us just as if we'd never sinned. Uh, Recovering Redemption, a book by Matt Chandler, um, says this about justification. The biblical idea of justifications that means that the gavel has banged down and we've been totally pardoned. We've been declared innocent. This means then that when we stand before God, who is the judge, the verdict that he will declare is not guilty. The mystery, though, 
is that the judge has rendered his decision based not on what we have done, or not any sort of supposed innocence that we might have, or any sort of works that we think we can bring to the table to earn this, but based on the sacrifice and willing substitution of the innocent, crucified Christ. All that means is the, the reason that we can be declared innocent is because Jesus was innocent. And he gives that innocence to us. The difficult reality of justification, though, is the presence of sin in our lives, even as Christians. I, I don't know about you, but I struggle. <laughs> there, there is still sin in my life that I, that I struggle with. So, so what justification means is not that we are made perfect or that we will no longer sin. But it means that, that God sees us through his Son. And that our entrance to heaven is based on the righteousness of Jesus alone. I think, I think we just need to keep reminding ourselves that, that, that we can't earn it. That we can't be good enough. We need the perfection of Jesus. And so justification, which again is the declaration of God that we are righteous means that God has credited to us the righteousness of Jesus to our account. And he did that by faith. By grace through faith. And so that's what's so amazing about the cross. That, that on the cross, Jesus takes our sin. And, and he pays the penalty for that sin in, in in another letter, Paul says, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus takes our sin, and he pays the penalty that is due our sin. But not only that, he gives us his righteousness so that we are able to stand before God forgiven, justified, righteous in his sight. And so in his eyes, when God looks at us, he sees us through his son. And we are righteous because of what Jesus did in our place. He took the full wrath of God as our propitiation. Now I'm sure that is not a word that you have used in a sentence this week. Propitiation. Just, just kind of pull that out and, and impress your friends maybe this week. And, and, and you can tell them that propitiation simply means a wrath-removing sacrifice. Paul says God put Jesus forward as a propitiation to be received by faith. So God put Jesus forward as a wrath-removing sacrifice to be received by faith. Now, you may not realize this, but but the idea of propitiation is something that that we sing about frequently. Tell me if you maybe uh, recognize the lyrics to this song. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. 
For every sin was on him laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. From in Christ alone. And we sing that frequently here, and we are singing about this idea of a wrath-removing sacrifice. It says the wrath of God was satisfied. Jesus died to save us from the wrath of God. And he did it by taking it for us. Jesus took the full wrath of God in our place so that we could stand before him with no wrath left. He did this, as it says in verse 26, so that he could be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, so simply what that means is that when, as if God is just and the justifier, there's the penalty that is due for sin that we have discussed. God can't just, just forget about that. He would then be unjust. The penalty still needs to be paid. And, and what would have taken us an eternity in hell to pay for? Jesus paid for on the cross in six hours. So, so forgiveness doesn't mean that God simply ignores our sin. Forgiveness and, and this idea of justification means that Jesus pays for our sin. And he pays a high price. He pays with his life. And God's wrath because of sin doesn't just go away. Jesus takes it for us. And that makes God the just justifier who provided for us in Jesus what we most deeply need and what we could never accomplish on our own. And that is right standing with God. We see straight from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, we see the fall. And from that point forward, the relationship that man has with God is broken. And in order for that to be restored, Jesus came and rescued us. He paid what we deserve to pay. And in doing so, he declares us righteous if we place our faith in him. But it doesn't stop there. And I feel even maybe like, a, um, like I'm on an infomercial, but wait, there's more. Because not only does God justify us, he adopts us as his children. Listen to uh, what the 1689 London Baptist Confession says. It says, God has granted that all those who are justified would receive the grace of adoption in and for the sake of his only son, Jesus Christ. By this, they are counted among the children of God and enjoy the freedom and privileges of that relationship. So, because we are justified, we are adopted by God. We come into his family. And so what does that mean? We can flip again to Romans chapter 8. I'll just read it for you. In verses 15 through 17, it says this. 
you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we also may be glorified with him. So, did, did you hear that? That we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Being justified by God makes us heirs with Christ. And so, so what does that mean? What does it mean to be an heir? It means that you inherit something. You are given something. Well, what is Christ the heir of? If you're in a home group, you've been studying through the book of Hebrews. You have read uh, chapter 1, verse 2, which says that Jesus is appointed the heir of all things. So if Jesus is the heir of all things and we are co-heirs with Christ, that means that we, too, become the heir of all things. Christ's inheritance is the whole universe, all that is in existence. And being a co-heir with Christ means that we, as God's adopted children, will share in the inheritance of Jesus. What belongs to Jesus will also belong to us by faith. And so, so if you have Jesus, you have all that you need. Jesus is the heir of all things, and we become his heir as well. And so in that, what more could we ask for? We have all that we need wrapped up in our resurrected Savior. And because we have justification through him. It's because we have that from him. And, and I'll just tell you that, that this is the most incredible news in all the world. That, that even though we fully deserve the wrath of God, instead, by faith, we are given all that is Christ's. And so that's why, that's why I titled this morning's message from wrath to righteousness. We go from, from deserving rightly the wrath of God for our sin. And yet, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we get righteousness. Recovering Redemption, again, the book says that these two biblical truths, which start out as the solid ground under your feet, are what unbelievably come together to form the trampoline of change in your life. And I, I fully believe that, that understanding uh, justification and adoption will change how you live your life. That, that when you realize that, 
By faith, you are a child of God. It will change how you struggle. It will change the interactions that you have with people. And it, it will change how you, how you understand hurt in your life. Because I think, even as we go through this, this series of, of rescued, why the church needs to reach the community we see that having been justified and adopted into God's family, that, that the community around us needs this message. The community around, around us needs to know that apart from Christ, we all deserve the wrath of God. That, that we rightly stand under His condemnation But there is something that was done. That, that God sent His Son to be a propitiation. He sent His Son to be the wrath-removing sacrifice in our place so that we could experience the pleasure of God. This, this is the message that, that we need to take to this community. This is the message that they need to hear. But I think it's also the message that that we need to remind ourselves of. That we cannot forget this. We can't forget that, that it was nothing that we did. Nothing that God saw in us that brought this about. It was simply an act of the grace of God that He decided to, to call us His own. That, that, we can, that we can stand before Him as a son. Or we can stand before Him as a daughter. And know that He is our Father. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me just tell you even now that He is a good Father. You may be experiencing much hurt. You may be doubting some of these things here this morning. But, but God is a good Father. And remember where we started this morning. Remember that, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember that, 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 that there is no voice that can come against you in, in condemning you. It is God who justifies. And if God is the one who justifies everything else, is going to fall powerless next to him. And so I think that it is entirely um, fitting that we're able to celebrate communion this morning. But before we do that, just, just, just think. In your seats here this morning, are, have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you experienced the justification of God? Would you call yourself a child of God? And, and, and if so, how is, it, how is it affecting your life? How are you living differently as a child of God? Because if, if by faith you have been declared righteous and made a child of God, you have all that you need 
You can stop searching in, in other places for things that will, will never satisfy. You have all that you need in Christ. Know also that, that nothing can separate you from Him. No condemnation has a voice against you. You are a child of God. And you have a great high priest who knows your struggle. He knows your pain. He knows your hurt. And yet, he is the one who loves you most deeply. He knows your hurt because he went through it himself. So, So come before Him this morning. Come in confidence and great hope that that though this world will try, nothing, nothing can change the fact that God is on the throne and that you are righteous in His sight. And not only that, but that you are His child. Because of what Jesus did. Because of the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. And so like I said, it it is entirely fitting that we get to celebrate communion here this morning. That that we get to, to be reminded of what Jesus went through. To make all of what we've talked about this morning a reality. And so before us at the communion table, we get a visible reminder and we get to see what Jesus went through so that we could have our sin paid for, so that Jesus himself could satisfy the wrath of God. The perfect and and sinless sacrifice that Jesus made in our place is what allows us not only justification before God, but adoption into His family. And so we see this morning that His body was broken for us, and that His blood was poured out to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and, and so we get that visible reminder here this morning. This, this is representing the body of Jesus. That it, was, that it was broken in our place. And, and, and we see this morning the blood of Jesus being poured out. And it was His blood that washed us clean. And, and this, this, this reminder that we get this morning shows us and reminds us that we are a part of God's family. It represents the body and blood of Jesus. It doesn't change in any way. It's simply a reminder of what Jesus did. And we come together here this morning as a family. As a family that has been adopted by God. And so this this table here this morning is set for anyone who is a child of God. If you are a part of the family, this is for 
you. If, if you have not placed your faith in, in Jesus this morning, ever, this would be meaningless. This would not mean anything to you. It's not going to do anything for you, uh, to, to earn any sort of justification for you. But let me tell you that even right here, right now, you can become a part of the family. You can be adopted by God. Simply acknowledge where you are this morning that that apart from Christ, you stand under the just condemnation of God. Simply acknowledge that apart from Christ that you would never be able to do anything that would earn you righteousness in God's sight and place your faith in Jesus as the one who did it for you. And know that that if you do, if you place your faith in Christ, that you will stand before God justified. That you will be innocent in His sight. And then this meal is for you. And so I'm going to invite the elders to come forward. We're going to serve the bread to you. We will pray and then partake together. And from there then we will be served the cup. And we'll read some scripture again. And we will partake together as a family of God here this morning.
Let's pray. God, we come before you this morning recognizing who you are and, and who we are in light of that. We thank you, God, that by faith we can become your children. And God, even, even as we celebrate the Lord's Supper here this morning, would you remind us of that great truth? God, thank you for, for the fact that we're able to see before us the, the representation of, of the brokenness of the body of Christ on our behalf. And, and God, that we can see a representation of his blood poured out. And it is because his blood was poured out, God, and his body was broken that we can stand forgiven before you. And so, God, may we celebrate that here this morning, and would you, would you strengthen us as we partake of this small meal together, God, that we would see ourselves as your children and as your family, and that you would help us, God, to live that way. So thank you again for this time, for this reminder, God, would you be glorified in it this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11 says, On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
It says, in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen.